Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I certainly feel as though uh, I have a friend in this church family. Amen. I, I feel very comfortable among friends tonight. Ecclesiastes, thank you for your beautiful worship. Uh, I know that it has uh, not gone unseen by the Lord. He has, he has observed us tonight. What a great job this choir and I, uh, There's just not enough paint to paint all about Christ, and that is the truth. I I love songs with meaning, with message. Ecclesiastes chapter 6 and verse number 12. The Bible said, For who knoweth what is good for man in this life? All the days of his vain life, which he spendeth as a shadow. Who knows? Just one question out of the Bible. He says, Who knows what is good for man? In this life, we would like to think that we know what is good for us. If I were to ask you what is good for you right now, you would probably say things like more room in a house, a better car, better job, more money, a more hospitable spouse. Could just go on and on. But who knows what's good for you? Savior, thank you tonight for who you are. Thank you for visiting us. What is man that thou should visit us? Who are we? God, we don't know why you loved us. We just know the effect, the evidence that you do. I ask you, God, that you would open our understanding, help us to receive the word of the Lord. And let your servant speak with the tongue of the learned. And we'll be careful to praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And everybody said amen. You can be seated. God bless you so much. I'd like to use for a thought tonight about things we don't know. I want to talk to you about things that we don't know. As, as a young man, young people, uh, and Right now, there are faces that come to mind. Of course, nobody here. As a matter of fact, nobody in Florida. But there are faces that come to mind with young men in their late teenage years that are so incredibly wise. They can tell you how wise they are. I would suspect most all of us experienced that phase of life where we felt like we had a grip on things. We had an understanding about things. We had a keen awareness of life. Parents weren't quite as smart as they made out to be. But then, sitting in the schoolroom of life, we learn later on that we weren't quite as wise as we thought we were. And so much of that 
comes into play with just simply living. Nobody can tell you that. You can't read it in a book. You don't learn it in a university. You just sit there in the classroom of life and you learn things. And of all the things that you do learn, there are so many things that you just don't know. You just can't comprehend and you just can't understand. You would think that if you were to seek a man for counseling, for help, maybe some psychiatric help, you would want to find a man as wise as Solomon. The Bible tells us that as Solomon, I think it was in the book of Second Chronicles, as Solomon went up unto the altar in the tabernacle of the Lord, he offered a thousand burnt offerings unto God. A thousand. Not one or two animals, not two or three, not a hundred, a thousand animals he offered to the Lord as an offering. Standing there, I'm sure the priests were wearied as much as they were familiar with their job. Standing there ankle deep in blood, wearied from the day's duties that the king brought to them a thousand animals to offer unto the Lord. Somehow Solomon got the attention of God and God asked him in that night, the next verse says, in that night God did visit Solomon and ask him to say to me what you want. Ask me what you will and I'll give it unto you. That, that thousand burnt offerings, that second mile, if you would, that going beyond the call of what was expected, got the attention of God. And God says to Solomon, ask me what you want. Solomon didn't ask for big houses. He didn't ask for fast horses and nice chariots. Solomon asked for this. He said, give your servant an understanding heart that he might know how to rule this great people. All Solomon wanted was an understanding heart so that I can know how to rule this great people. And because of that, not only did God give to him wisdom, but he gave to him all of the wealth that we read about, wealth that would even uh, capture the all and inspiration of a neighboring queen when she said that there was no more spirit left within her that the fame of Solomon was not even told to its half. She was amazed at what he had and what he did and the things that he knew. But yet Solomon, in all of his wisdom, in all of his pomp and glory and circumstance, a man with that kind of God-given intellect put his pen to the parchment and said, who knows what's good for life? Who knows what's good for you? That if I were going to go to a man with credentials, I'd want to go to Solomon. I'd want to go to the man who wrote three books of the Old Testament and 3,000 Proverbs. I'd want to go to a man that God had given him wisdom of which the Scripture said, never a king before or after had the wisdom of Solomon. I'd want to learn from that kind of man. But yet Solomon, in that kind of comprehension of the world and of life, he wrote these words that I have read to you this evening. In the humble submission and and humility of his spirit, he said, who knows what is good for man in this life? 
I'd like to tell you tonight that I know what's good for you. And you might have been captured this evening by the title or even by the verse that I read as I was. I'd like to be able to tell you what's good for me. I know what's good for my life. I know what's good for my marriage. I know what's good for my house. I know what's good for my marriage. But the fact is, I don't really know. Amen. I I want you to hold on with me tonight. Amen. There are some things that you and I yet are to understand. You can ask the aged in here this evening. Those veterans of living, you can ask the ones that are silver-haired, and they will tell you yet, if in the honesty of their heart, that life is still a mystery to them. That, yeah, there are some things that we've come to understand just by mere observation. There are some things that we can pretty much predict to its T in, in just observing life, but... You know, when the day is ended, we still can say only he knows what tomorrow holds. That it seems like life at best is a mere exception and not a rule. Because we would like to think that we understand it and that we can, we can call it as it's going to happen. We can give you our prediction, but we really don't know. Things that worked for us last year might not work for us in 2016. Amen. The things and practices that we employed in life might not work for us this year. There are some tried and true methods of living, but even those tried and true methods have their exceptions. I know a God who holds us tonight in the palm of his hand. I heard a phrase a few days ago, a few weeks possibly ago, and uh, I've done some looking. I just wanted to know how that was mentioned, how they defined. Uh, this is what I heard, the observable distance. Astronomers would say term like the observable distance, something that is way, way, way out there. I mentioned a little bit tonight just in passing about the light and the sun and its warmth and the time it takes to get here. And my mind went back to that again today just because of the astounding ability of God. That astronomers say with technology and the telescopes that they have and how it has magnified the universe that they can see 46 and a half billion light years to the edge of the observable distance of the universe. If the earth were in the center that they could see that far, you might not think how far that really is, but to get a perception of that, to bring it back into an understanding term, if you could travel at the speed of light, you could go around the world seven and a half times every second. Over 670 million miles per hour light travels. And that distance that it would cover in one year is the term called a light year. And to the edge of the observable universe, it is 46 and a half billion light years away. It is no wonder the psalmist by the inspiration of the Spirit of God could write that the heavens declare your glory and the firmament showeth your handiwork, that day unto day 
day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth understanding and knowledge. He said there is no speech and no language in which their voice is not heard. It doesn't matter if they speak Chinese or Spanish or American English broken as it is in all of its native colloquialisms. Uh, It doesn't matter where you go. The Bible said thousands of years ago that there was no speech and no language that the voice that would give glory to God's handiwork was not heard in. It is no wonder it is because God knows what we don't know. That if we bring all of this back into its right perspective, we are but His creation. We are but dust made from the earth. That it was He that breathed the breath of life into us. Amen. I can still approach God in the humility of my spirit. And I say, God, you know what I don't. And you can see what I cannot see. And you can do what I cannot do. I don't know what's good for me. And Solomon didn't know what was good for man. But I know a God who knows what's good for us. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm going to get down where we're living here in just a minute. Amen. There's something so amazing that is wrapped up in a question that fell off the lips of a man that was so wise. A man that all of the universe uh, that, that looked to, that was inspired by and awed by, that even the ministry of Jesus, he would say things like, consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't toil and they don't spin. And yet Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Amen. As much as the world and the society contemporary of Solomon's day were awed by his understanding, I see Christ reaching down and picking a lily and showing it to his disciples and saying, He, in all of his knowledge and understanding, is not arrayed like this thing that I made. He don't know what I know, and he can't understand what I understand. There is a reason why that we fall into the hands of a living God. It's because I don't know about my tomorrows. If you think you've got the world by the tail, my friend, whether you be young or old, regardless of what you drive, how empty or full the coffers of your bank account might be, you still stand in need of an eternal God that's got all power in heaven and earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll tell you where this was birthed from. Last year when I was here in January, we were still earnestly praying for my father-in-law that he had been diagnosed with renal cell carcinoma. He was given chemotherapy treatments, surgery, taking out the organs that could be removed, uh, trying to stop the spread of that insidious disease that I am so wearied from just by seeing my loved ones and friends and family affected by it. 
We prayed earnestly for him, Pastor Boyd. And I remember a very special prayer meeting was called to pray for my father-in-law. And I remember in that prayer meeting, much of the church family shown up on a weeknight. And we prayed for no other reason but that God would touch our dear brother and our friend. Outside of ministry, I don't guess I have ever met a man in the church that stood head and shoulders among men in the faith. He was a soul-winning man. He was a prayerful man. He was a man of cast-iron convictions and not one that was abusive and not one that was intrusive in your life, but just a man that stood firm on what he saw in the Word of God. And we thought if anybody deserved a healing, it would be our friend, my father-in-law and my wife's dad. If anybody deserved that, it would have been him. One preacher that was present that night, he grabbed a microphone and he said to the people that were present, he said, God said everything is going to be all right. And he no sooner got the words off of his lip and the Holy Ghost smote my spirit and said, no, he's wrong and this family will drink the cup of bitterness. And my friend, bitter it has been. I got back to the house and I told my wife, I said, you don't want to hear this, but you and your family are going to drink the bitter cup. And I can't tell you why and I can't explain it, but for some reason God said that you can do it. I can't explain to you tonight why God would stop the flow of blessing into the life that has been faithful to him, only to open it up and let the blessing of healing and miraculous flow into the lives of people that have never given God the time of day. I've got scripture to preach what I'm preaching tonight. It was the woman that came to Jesus and said, would you cast the devil out of my son? And he said, it is not me that we should take the children's meat and give it to the dogs. And she said, you're right, but even the dogs can eat a crumb or two every once in a while. And God was so moved by the faith of this woman that he spoke into the life of her child and removed the devil out of her. Then he went home healed by her faith only to turn a few pages over and read about a man who had given his all that wrote 13 books of the New Testament and arguably 14. Hebrews is still in controversy. Whether you think he wrote it or not, I personally believe that he did. But nonetheless, numerous churches and people that he won to Christ and all he asked of God was to take the thorn out of my side to which God said, my grace is sufficient for you. There's just some things in this life I don't understand. There's some things that I don't know. Brother James McFall penned the words many years ago to a song that we still sing today. And I was so moved by it when I heard it afresh a few weeks ago. Brother Boyd, it broke back all of these memories to my mind. He said, he said in this song, he said, I've seen the righteous man suffer pain. And I've seen the wicked go free. <laughs> and in my frustration, it just didn't seem right to me. I asked for sunshine and you sent the rain. I asked for healing and you sent pain. But Lord, I know that your love is going to see me through. Because I still trust you. My friend, at the end of the day, that's all I can do. Is say, God, I just trust you. Because there's some things that I don't know. 
If Solomon didn't know them, I don't know them. If men far that, that superseded my intellect and wisdom in life could say, who knows what's good for you, then I don't know what's good for me. I went to God in prayer that morning like I often do, and I said, God, I want you to heal the man. I want you to touch the man. I began to name people that I saw that were fighting chemotherapy. Some of them had bandanas on their head. Some of them were fighting their cancers tooth and toenail. They thought surely that God would heal them because they served God. But for whatever reason, God didn't serve them. I am so weary tonight with taking them off of our prayer list and putting them in a hole in the ground. I don't know what to do, but God, God, all I can do is still say, you're a healer. I know that you can. But for some reason, beyond my understanding, you chose it not to. <laughs> There's some things I don't know. Life's been hard for me, preacher. You don't understand the hard row I've had to hoe. You don't understand how rough and rocky this road has been in life for me. No, I don't understand it, and I can't explain it to you. You don't know why I've been dejected by family and turned aside from parents and best friends have left and spouses have left. I can't tell you why children won't come back home and just love me as their daddy. I can't tell you why, and I can't tell you why either, friend. All I can tell you is don't turn your back on the one that never turned his back on you. There's just, there's just some things that I don't know. There's just some things that I can't put an explanation to. There's just some things that I think I should understand. And at best, it's beyond my fingertips. It's just beyond my grasp of comprehension of putting my hand on it. Nobody could say it better than the prophet Habakkuk whenever he began to put his pen to only three chapters of the whole entire Bible. He wrote three chapters, but in those three chapters, he penned something that was so profound to me that I read in the middle of this trial in my family <laughs> he said he said although the fig tree shall not blossom although there be no fruit in the vine and although the labor of the olives shall fail although the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no meat in the field nor herd in the stall yet I will rejoice in the Lord I will joy in the God of my salvation <laughs> I grabbed that scripture out of there. I committed it to my mind. I wrote it down and I read it going down the road. I said, God, if that man of God can do it, we can do it. And I stand before you tonight as a church family. Whether you be saint or sinner, crude or cultured, it doesn't matter. I tell you tonight that there's a God that will hold on to you as long as you hold on to him. <laughs> there may... It might not be working out the way I think it should, but God still got me right there in the palm of his hand. Life might not be playing out the way I think it should play out for the redeemed, but he still got me right there in the palm of his hand. Who knows what is good for man in this life, all the days of his vain life. Who can tell you what's good for you? I sat on the altar and I stared in the dark sanctuary and I said, God, it'd be good for my family. If you bless us with a healing, 
God said, I know what's good for you. The Holy Ghost, the struggle will make you stronger. The battle's going to make you a bigger man. The famine is not fatal or final. Hold on. I thought of the words of Naomi when she left with a son and his two sons and a husband and daughter-in-law. And she said on the way back, she said, I went out full, but I came back empty. I went out with everything that I needed, but I came back so empty. But that was before she had the understanding of what God was trying to do. As the words of Joseph said to his brethren, he said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And she comes back with one little daughter-in-law in tow was all she had. And this little daughter-in-law, under the tutelage of her mother-in-law, she said, go find what you can. She goes out and brings back a handful. The next day, it's an apron full. The next day, it's baskets full. And before long, she's owning the field by virtue of marriage having been redeemed by Boaz. And when the book of Ruth ends, the Bible said, the word of the Lord tells us that the neighbors, which were the women, says to Naomi, not Ruth that had the child, but says to Naomi that a son is born unto Naomi. And his son was Obed. And Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David. You might think your situation is all washed up. And you might stand and say, I am so empty. But God said, I've emptied you out so that I can fill you with what I want you to have. What is good for the generations. Out of the loins of David. Out of the loins of Ruth. And all because of the inspiration of her mother-in-law, we have our Lord. We have our Messiah. And we have Jesus Christ, the salvation for us all. I went out full, but I came back empty. And we sat across the pastor's desk. And our Naomi's tell us, Elder, that I'm so empty and God has so emptied me out. And I don't have what I thought I should have had with serving him. But God said, if you'll just hold on. We prayed for healing, but healing didn't come. But who knows that in his passing, it might be like Samson's, that he would destroy more of the enemy in his death than he ever could in his living I've seen men plead and beg with God for better job that paid more and God would bless them with four times the income but it required them moving nine states away and I've watched them come back so empty and cold in God so cold you can't hardly beg them to church now they left running the aisles but two years later they come back not even interested seemingly in the house of God he knows what's good for us he knows what's good for us am I suggesting to a church family tonight that we should live live our lives up to fate F-A-T-E and not up to faith and power in God certainly not I believe God is still a blesser and God is still a healer and a miracle worker 
I still believe that. But my friend, don't give up on God when God doesn't give you what you think you ought to have. Because, oh, here God. There's so much in my mind right now. I want to get it all out tonight. Paul began write to the church, the saints of God, just like you and I. He began to write to them in the Roman church in the 8th chapter of the book of Romans and he says to them for the spirit helpeth our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered for it is he that knoweth the mind of the spirit and it is he that maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. One verse prior to that, he says, we know not what we should pray for as we ought. We don't know. Why is it we intercede? Why is it we shut the door to our prayer closet and we stay there until God opens the fountain of our eyes and we intercede because we don't know what we need? God knows. And the Spirit helpeth that infirmity of ours because he makes intercession for us. I don't know what to pray for. A few days ago, I was in the church, and I had a need in my life, and I, I started to ask God. I said, God, I'm asking you, and he quickened my spirit. And I reflected back upon that scripture he showed to me a few months ago. And I just smiled in the presence of the Lord. I said, God, I don't know what I need, but you know. If I need it, you'll give it to me. I see that I think I need it, but God, you know far beyond what I need. The mother of Zebedee's children brings to him her two sons, and she says to Christ, when he says, Woman, what wilt there? She says, Grant that these my two sons set together with thee in thy kingdom, one on the left and one on the right. To which Jesus replies to her, You know not what you ask. That's the way I feel. Sometimes I don't know what I'm asking from God. I go to God with requests like I know. I sit on the altar. I lay on the altar. I lay on the floor. I walk and cry. I sit and cry. I lay down and cry. And I say, God, I know what I need. But he quickened me and said, you don't know. You think you need healing, but right now you need something else. Sometimes the pain will grow you in the Holy Ghost. Sometimes the misery will bring you higher than you ever thought you could be. Don't let nobody marginalize your misery. Don't let nobody do that. As the crowd was around Christ, they was all around him, and there was a woman that had been sick for 12 years. And in her mind, she's probably thinking, I know what I need. I need him to touch me. And so she's pressing through the crowd. She's getting through the great crowd of people excuse me pardon me let me get through and finally she gets to the place and she touched the hem of his garment and immediately Christ turns to Simon and says who touched me Simon says Lord look at this garment and you're asking who touched you and he said somebody touched me because virtue has just left my body the big crowd of people that day I don't know how many it was, but just for practical purposes, 200 strong on Sunday morning. And you're asking, who touched you? They were all around the altar, God. Who touched you? The only two people that day that knew about the miracle was the donor and the recipient. That was the only two people there that knew what just happened. Everybody else, including his closest, his closest camaraderie. Everybody else 
marginalized the miracle. <laughs> Who touched you? Oh, I saw this woman down the Excuse me, just kind of push her out with your ankle. Just, you're too close. You're, you're getting trampled on. You're out of the way. And she presses back and she touches him. Simon marginalized her miracle. The other 11 marginalized her miracle. But Jesus said virtues. You know why? You know why nobody recognized what was going on? You know why it was? It's because he was God. And I know you think, well, that's really profound. Let, let me go a step farther. It would be like you going to Destin tomorrow and saying, somebody just took a thimble full of sand out of here. It would be like you looking out over the uh, Atlantic Ocean and saying, dear God, somebody took a coffee cup of water out of it. Virtue had just left Christ. And we're supposed to recognize that. It's like saying, looking at the stars tonight, and say, dear Lord, would you look at there? One of them things ain't flickering tonight. I couldn't see that. There was more left in him than what exuded out of him. So if I marginalize your miracle, it's not intentional. Stand and say with the power of your testimony, let me tell you what God done for me. He equated it to the blood. For by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony, you've been made overcomer. Dear God, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. You might try to push her back and set her aside and quieten her down and squelch what she's got to say. But she can stand and say, somebody has touched me. She can say the same thing that Christ said because they were the only two people that knew about it. You can believe this if you want to or not. Kind of different about this, what I'm about to say. Brother Boyd, we have actually prayed for people and laid hands on them, and they have received notable miracles when the doctor says nothing else we can do. And I didn't feel anything. You know why? It's because the virtue didn't come out of me. It came out of him. All we're doing is asking. Oh, God. I'd like to tell you what's good for you tonight. We pray for those that the doctors give up on. And we say like the Pharisees that had gone to Christ with the sick centurion servant and said, he's worthy for whom you should do this. He loves our nation and he built us a church. But in fact, (laughs) there are no credentials that we can throw at the feet of Christ and say, these are the reasons why that you're supposed to bless me. This is why you're supposed to bless me. (laughs) I don't know. My friend, if, if, if I'm diagnosed this week and they give me six months to live, I'm going to come to God believing that he can heal me. You can rest assured on that. But if he don't heal me, I've got to trust him and say, God, you know what's best. You know what's waiting for the redeemed on the other side more than I do. I've only read and I've seen through a glass darkly, but God, you've seen it vividly. 
You're the engineer, the architect, the designer, the builder. And all we can be is like Abraham who looks for a city whose builder and maker is God. I am a stranger on this earth because a stranger is not at home. I'm a pilgrim on this earth because a pilgrim is headed home. Hear me tonight. I'm a fugitive on this earth because I have no home here. I'm a vagabond here because I got no continuing city to dwell in. But heaven by means of Calvary is going to be my home. Who knows? Oh, Lord, i got to hurry. Who knows what's good for me? There's, there's some, I'm, I'm not going to bore you. Who knows? Who knows what's good for my life? You, you guys in here that's married for any time at all, at some point, because I just feel sure in saying this, not prophetically or because I've had some discerning spirit into your life, I just feel sure that at some point in your marriage you have sat down on the couch with your wife and you have held her hand as both of you cried because you didn't have the answers. There's been times that you get up in the morning while it's still dark and you get in your truck and you're driving and you can barely see the road because the tears that have opaqued your vision because you just ain't got the answers. Ladies, there's been some times that you probably felt like I just need to throw in the towel. And if it had not been for the strength of your husband who said, come on, honey, the house of God is where we need to be. You might have long ago given up, not because you had a hunger for sin, a thirst for the world. It's just that you just wanted to stay away. Because you saw everybody so happy And you saw everybody shouting But there was no shout in you You saw everybody dancing And there was no dance in you And you just couldn't bear to see that anymore David said, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked My feet well nigh slipped But when I went into the house of the Lord They understood I therein This is where you're going to get understanding of life And he's going to give it just as you need it Just as you need it a little here and a little there. A little here and a little there. There won't be no crystal balls. There won't be no tarot cards. There won't be no soothsayers. But a little here and a little there. Irrespective of what tomorrow will hold, the Bible said his mercies will be new tomorrow morning. The psalmist said, I have entered into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Notice the two things that he coupled, united with the things he married together. He said, I've entered into his courts with praise, into his gates with thanksgiving. Without thanksgiving, I'm closing. Without thanksgiving, there will be no praise. And praise without true thanksgiving is so shallow and superficial. You know why some people can't praise anymore? It's because they've not learned to thank him in all things. And it steals their praise. It robs them of their praise. The Apostle Paul said, Of the Jews, five times received thy forty stripes, save one. 
I was beaten with rods. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I spent in the deep, in the deep, and perils often, and watchings often, fastings often, perils of my own countrymen, perils of the sea, perils in the wilderness, yada, yada, yada. Beside all those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. And we think, dear God, he's a preacher. And he's encumbered with the care of how I'm doing. This is what he wrote to Corinthians. But when he gets to Philippians, I'm convinced that somewhere Paul continued to learn just like we do. Again, being a student of life, somewhere between writing to the Corinthian saints and later writing to the epistle, the epistle to the Philippians, he says these words, but brethren, I would that you would understand that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Don't feel sorry for me. Don't pity me and my misery. Don't marginalize my pain because God's using that. If you have served God for any length of time tonight, perhaps you have a grip of understanding on what I preached. If you are new to this, and maybe this is your first visit to a Pentecostal church, an assembly like this, and maybe preaching this, this demonstrative and passionate, maybe you've never heard it on this wise. I know I wasn't raised to hear it like this, but if this is your first time tonight, maybe you're reflecting about all the times of agony and misery in your life and you've walked out in the backyard mad at God saying it don't have to be like this if you're really in control but the truth is the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord the steps not just the steps through the good times but every step is ordered by God he's brought you here for a reason tonight sir He's brought you here for a purpose that you might get a little understanding on your life. The only thing that is good for us is a life that we have entrusted to the Lord. Outside of that, I can't tell you what's good for your life. Prosperity might not be what you need today. And as much as I'd like to think so, simply because I'd like to see the miraculous happen in our services, healing might not be what you need today. There is one thing that I do know, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. I know that's good for you. I know that repentance is good for you. And the apostle said, and through faith we understand that the world's refrained by the word of God. If I could just extract a little small portion of that verse and apply it right now. He said, and through faith we understand. If you are devoid of faith in him, confidence in his word, Understanding will never come your way. Only through faith do we understand. God, help us tonight. Would you stand with me? Maybe you are enjoying times of plenty. 
Maybe he's answered every prayer you prayed the last four or five years. But that's not the case with all of us. Maybe you've got the faith that anything that you ask God, he does it for you. But there are times when there is an apostle who prays to God to remove the thorn that is bothering him and plaguing him. God said that thorn's got to stay. But my grace is not going to leave you. To the woman who we thought should have been pushed aside, God opens the windows of heaven and pours out blessing into her life. and says, I've not seen faith like this in Israel. I don't have an explanation. There are just some things that I don't know. (laughs) My friend, if you don't know God the way you have seen these people worship and pray, my soul was blessed tonight by this dear elder that came up here. (laughs) Brother Boyd, I thought, in my venerated years, in my older days... I want to be able to bring God my problems and still trust Him. I don't want to be so cynical just by the accruement of years that I'll never come to God and never pray and never ask God to bless. On the contrary, I want to trust Him more then than I do now. Come on, church family, come on. Would you come? Would you do that? I'd like everybody to come. If it's any way you can just kind of make that extra that extra move and maybe move out of that comfort zone. Maybe you can't get right up here to the front and just out in the aisle just do a little something and stretch a hand toward God. <laughs> and say, God, I still trust you. I don't know why my prayers aren't moving my children to come home, but I still trust you. I don't know why my faith is not shaking all of heaven and that we see a miraculous moving of your healing take place, but I still trust you. I don't know why i got to endure the hard times, but I'm going to trust you anyway. Hallelujah. My Lord, I feel the strength of the Holy Ghost tonight. I feel the strength of his love in this house. Come on, saints of God. Let's stretch our hand toward heaven. (laughs) God, you're all I need. God, look upon this people. Let virtue leave you tonight, God. I might not recognize it. It's because your virtue is inexhaustible. What exudes from you fills our life up. All it takes is a blessing. A blessing and we can't contain it. A blessing and we don't have room for it. A blessing and we are completely exhausted of space. God, if you would pour out but one. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. God, show us you love us tonight. Show us all over again. 
Show the backslider you love them. Show the lost that you love them. Show the saint of God, the child of God that has served you for decades. Remind them that you love them tonight. Oh, God. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.